This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That to be joined on Football CFB by Simon Murray, former Dundee, Dundee United, Arbroath, Hibernian and of course Bidvest Wits as well in South Africa. First of all Simon, how are you? I'm good, uh, I'm good mate, just uh, get, trying to get on while obviously the virus scenario blows over but apart from that all good and well, hope you are too. Yeah, just trying to as you say, just keep busy during this sort of time and for you, you've just returned from South Africa and before we talk about that adventure, what is your hopes for the future in football? It's an uncertain time. Are you hoping to stay in the UK now because of this situation or do you fancy another foreign adventure? Yeah, obviously at the moment everything's a bit a bit uncertain just with the, the current climate with the, the virus etc. So yeah, just... And myself, just keep ticking over. Uh, obviously, I had that injury, so just getting back to my to my full fitness now, and then whatever comes, um, whatever op- uh, opportunities might come, if if that may be abroad, I, I won't I won't look away from it. But um, I started a, a young family there, had a, have a little boy, so maybe being closer to home this time wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, but we'll just have to see what what comes up. Absolutely, and. In terms of the move to South Africa, how did that move come about? What made you want to go there and, and not only experience a new a new club, but an entirely different culture? Yeah, just at the time uh, I was at Hibernian and the, the offer came about through an agent um, who was doing some work for the, for the club. Um, that, that I eventually went to. So he just put put it in front of me and, and said, would I be interested? And at the time, it, it seemed, well, it was a good idea. Um, I was looking, it was an exciting, something totally different that obviously I'd never done before, never played football out with uh, Scotland. So it was um, an adventure, um, that's for sure. In terms of life out there what was it like you hear reports that it's very nice the weather obviously is great but at times it can be a wee bit dangerous what was it like from your perspective on a day-to-day basis yeah yeah look um with there's all these documentaries and stuff isn't there um on on these places and yeah at times it, it could it could be a scary place so obviously we have some stories and and stuff but and i could honestly say in the two years that we were there um we never had any bad experiences like that, um, which was lucky. Um, and if we just kept to the places that we, we were we were told to we would be safe, then um, they said we would be okay. Um, it's just that if something did happen, then the crime is, is a bit worse than, than what it would be here. It would maybe be somebody stealing something or, or something like that. But over there, it could be held at gunpoint, which obviously it's terrifying especially if you've got a a, a wife and, and a little like a kid so yeah luckily we never came across anything which was good um, but we definitely heard a few stories but uh, I've got nothing but good things to say about the country it was a great country with with great people very friendly and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. When you get there having played at the likes of United, Dundee, Hibs, how did how did Bidvest compare to, to those clubs? Because obviously in the UK, we aren't entirely aware of South African football. So you're the best person to ask that question. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised, actually, at the start. The standard of football was was, was quite high. Very technical, technically good players. Um, definitely some players in my team that could have came on to and got to Europe. Um the, the mentality of the players is slightly different uh, than than the UK. Um, some sometimes some players are very professional. Some aren't. Some it's a bit more relaxed. But as far as the the standard of playing football, um, 
quite good. And the t- there's some very good teams in the league. Um, so, yeah, it was a test, that's for sure. And obviously the climate is totally different weather-wise and stuff. So there was a lot of different elements to to, to playing out there that I had to try and, try and get across. The, the two teams from South Africa that are probably most well-known because of the likes of the FIFA games and stuff to people in the UK would yeah. be the Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates. I mean, what was it like coming up against those teams? Yeah, um, when when I went over there, we the the team I joined was the season before they didn't do so good, but the the year the the year before they actually won the league, uh, and the seasons that I were there, we finished second, and obviously this season is is ongoing. Um, but yeah, their teams were massive. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs are the biggest supported team in Africa, um, probably the well the biggest club in the whole of Africa. Um, between them and Alakli in Egypt but yeah they, they did struggle Kaiser Chiefs did struggle um, the, the time I was there this season they were actually doing quite well but yeah two, two big teams um, in structure but not as dominant as what you could say like Celtic and Rangers were in Scotland there was another team uh, Mahamaludi Sundowns who were the best team they won the, they've won the league the last uh um, maybe apart from the team that my team won, but they've won it the last three or four out of five anyway. So, yeah, they are, the Mahamaludi Sundowns were the were the best team out there. You mentioned the fact that players over there could be quite relaxed. How did the dressing room environment differ to, to life in a Scottish dressing room? Yeah, uh, I spoke to a few people about this before. Um, different. Um, there's a lot, obviously they're a bit more, I would say, religious. Um, they do a lot of praying before the games, and they like to sing together instead of having the earphones in before the games. It's like a togetherness, uh, chanting in the dressing room, a bit of dancing, uh, which is which is good. You've got to get involved with the boys, and they appreciate when you join in and and get involved in their culture, as to as to speak and. Yeah, it was a good, that was a, another good experience. I was a bit shy when I first went into the dressing room on that. My dancing wasn't up to the earth, but um, it got there by the end of the time being there. Uh, yeah, so it was slightly different in that sense. <laughs> in terms of the crowds, they're quite fanatical in, in, in Africa, and in South Africa especially. Um, what were the crowd yeah. like with yourself? Because I imagine with a with a ginger hair, you stood out a wee bit. Yeah, I was like, uh, stood out like a sore thumb over there, um, which sometimes isn't a bad thing. But yeah, the fans were great. Like, they, I think they like it when, like, a European guy comes over, a foreigner, and uh, tries to do well in their company. And um, our team was had a good, like, good support. So yeah, they, 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 they took to me, um, especially in the first season when I was playing and. Uh, it was good. It was a good. They 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 used the football over there. There's not as much rivalry. All the fans sit together, um, from both teams. It's like a integrated um sort of atmosphere, and they go to celebrate and party and and dancing music, and uh, I think they support whatever team is winning. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely unique compared to over here. And in terms of scoring goals, I mean, you've scored goals everywhere you've been. But see, when you score a goal over there, are the crowd more wild than a Scottish crowd, or is it just the same? Um, yeah, I think the Scottish. I, actually, that was one of the things that um, you know I like about Scotland is there is that difference in team. You either support one team or another. It's not like a mixed atmosphere. Um, definitely, when the the fans are separated and there's a bit more rivalry, a bit more. Um, uh, what would you put it? Not like just yeah, a bit more competition before, between the teams. It's good that way. I would say the fans in Scotland are, are they could uh, they can take the run for the money against any crowds around the world. That's for sure. But the South African ones were a bit different. They did go a bit mad when you scored, but um, more more so that they got another beer and a dance. And <laughs> <laughs> something that I find interesting about your adventure over there is some people assume, oh, you're just going to a country like South Africa, because I, I think some people can be quite ignorant in the UK of oh, the standard will not be that great sort of thing. But you had plenty of internationals in your team, so I imagine you had players that, as you've said earlier on, could have came to Europe and, and made a real impact. Yeah, definitely. Our our team was full of internationals. Our goalie was 
our whole back five, including the goalie, was international. We had the captain of South Africa was our was our own captain. Um, they all went to the the I think it's the CAF, the Confederations National National Cup that like Sadio yeah. Mane and everything. And actually, South Africa played uh, Egypt, and I think it was the quarterfinals or the last sixteen. And our left back uh, absolutely marked Mosala out of the game. Um, had had a great game, and Mosala Salah never got a sniff. So um, you can't be a bad player if you're doing that. Um, so yeah, the standard is was definitely high. Um, I think what the problem these guys have got is they're making good money uh, in in South Africa, and your money goes a lot further there than what it would do here. So they would have to make a lot, lot more to come over to Europe to be away from their family, to be away from their, their kids and their, their usual surrounding when they're making good money there and in, in, in the areas that these guys have, have been brought up in and live is a very cheap place and they can make, uh, let's say, like live like like kings in the, in the areas that they're from instead of coming over to Europe, maybe challenging themselves, but the money may be not so different in, in some of the leagues. That's a very interesting perspective and thanks for sharing that. Um, something that I want to touch on with you is the fact that when you were over there, you got a really bad injury, you ruptured your ACL, tore your meniscus as well. I mean, just how tough was that mentally and physically? Not only that, but also the fact that you were abroad because you'd never really had a major injury when you were in Scotland. So I imagine getting a serious one abroad was, was even tougher to take. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I've gone through my whole career, never had an injury or a, even a pulled muscle, uh, never missed a training session. And uh, yeah, it was just a disappointing way to start the season. I'd, I'd, I'd really like felt I was getting into the football over there and I had a good pre-season and then I was raring to go. And then in the second game of the season, um, yeah, in the first three minutes went over and, and obviously had the injury. Um Mentally, yeah, it was tough. Um, I got through it because I, my son was, was just born at that time, so I was able to kind of put my mind to that while going through, obviously, the recovery. I uh, had him to, to kind of lift my spirits at the time, so that that definitely helped on that side. Um, but I can definitely say I'm, I'm glad that I'm coming out the other end of it now and just looking forward and, and getting away from that. And something else that is, is unique about playing over there, you were playing at altitude as well. I mean, I imagine that took quite some doing to get used to. Yeah, well, I've, I've always thought of myself, felt my, my fitness was, was quite high, um, being like one of the fitter guys in, in the team that, that I've been at before in pre season. And I went over there and it hit me like a ton of bricks for the first month. Um, they, they did warn me that it would take a lot of getting used to, but I kind of thought it can't be that bad, and then first training session in, I felt like the the blood at the back of the throat, thinking, "Oh, geez, can't get a breath here." But eventually, um, you get used to it. Um, it. Takes maybe one or two months to get into the full swing of things. Uh, but yeah, this actually really worked our advantage, and and when teams came up from Cape Town and sea level sea level clubs like around the coast they came up to Joburg and they really struggled to play in the altitude we knew if we we got them to 60-70 minutes they would they would be on the off their feet by that time so we, we managed to work work it to our advantage I want to now rewind back to the start with you we've talked about South Africa we've talked about potentially coming back closer to home but you came through the various kind of boys clubs in the Dundee area. You got a chance with Montrose and then you ended up going back to junior football after that. What was it like at Montrose? And also, what, when you went back down to the junior standard, were you worried that that was your chance of turning professional gone? Um, yeah, obviously. Every, obviously, the, and the end goal was to try and get into a full-time club and look at when you're that age and you, you take maybe a step backwards as what you would think at the time to go back to juniors. Um, it obviously is a doubt that that you might not get there eventually, but um, looking back now, it was definitely the best thing that happened to me. Went and played against men that had maybe been senior before, 
older. They were uh, there to because they wanted to be there at the weekends, and obviously they had full time jobs as well. So it was really competitive training, um, and it kind of made you, went, made you from a boy to a man. Um, and obviously playing every week and done well there, and, and uh, getting on, I, I thought I would get my chance because I knew I knew I could do it at a higher level. That's uh, something that again is an interesting insight. And in terms of the juniors, what was it like playing at that level? Because I imagine it's completely different to the senior level. You've still got plenty of good players down at that level, of course you do. But it's I would I would argue that it's more physical than than potentially the higher up you go. Yeah, um, you can see a lot of the players that are in the juniors. They're maybe the older guys that are coming out of the end of professional football and maybe drop down for whatever reason and they kind of don't want to see this young guy, this young whippet running running, running about so there's definitely a few challenges that you have to get used to and I would say if, if not anything it definitely toughens you up and, and makes you a bit more street smart uh, sooner, sooner rather than later because you don't want to be on the, the end of too many of these, these guys' challenges or or whatever it may be, but yeah, it definitely done me good, um, and, and it was—I would say—it made me really appreciate the career that I've that, I'm, that I've went on to went on to ha- to have. How did your move to Arbroath come about? Because that was the club that really kick-started your senior career. You were on absolute fire when you joined them. Yeah, um, my my manager at uh, at the juniors at the time when I was at Tayport, uh, John McGlashan. He'd he'd been the manager of Arbroath and he'd been a senior player his his whole career. He event he said to me, "Just keep working hard. I'll get you, I'll get you up there to see if you can go and then kick on." And and that's what he done. He kind of got me in the door at Arbroath, and obviously from then it was up to me uh, to go and to go and see what I can do. And then yeah, I just went into pre-season that year, just fully focused and managed to come out the other end and. And really, really hit the ground running. I think I scored twenty goals up up until up until Christmas that year. So uh, really done well. Um, and then the rest was history, I suppose you could say. Absolutely, Dundee United come calling. You signed for them with the understanding you remain on loan at Arbroath until the summer. Just how good was it to sign for a club with a stature of Dundee United, considering that you had been at the juniors just less than eighteen months before that? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Um, as I say, well, at the time, it was a dream come true. Um, going into full-time football, a really big club. I think they were sitting second in the league that year, um, the year I signed in. Do you know, it was was an unbelievable, like, proud moment for me and, and my family at that time. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking forward to going in and giving it all I could, all I could do. And, uh, really good memory. When you returned to Arbroath, was your mind partly on the move to United in the summer, or was it a case of right? I've signed for United, but I need to ignore that and just give everything for Arbroath to end the season. Yeah, it was a tricky one that because when I signed for Dundee United, Jackie McNamara, he knew I wasn't physically uh, strong enough at that time to then take the jump straight from say League Two to the Premiership so I was put on like an individual sort of training programme to bring my strength up to what, what I would need to, to compete in the SPL so unfortunately I was training full time with Dundee United training at night with Arbroath and on a sort of strength programme at the time so unfortunately it, it did hit me at the weekends when I went on to play for Arbroath at it took a lot out of me during the week and I wasn't able to give the, the same kind of performances because I just wasn't used to training uh, full time all that all that length of time and uh, it did impact my performances at the weekend, especially as the season went on when we were playing Saturdays and Tuesdays and I was still training every day. And I obviously didn't want to go into Dundee United and and say, Oh, I want to take a rest day and whatever because they were the guys that were going to be taking me forward so I wanted to go in there and give 100% every day to show them that I'll be an asset uh, next season. Something else that intrigues me about your story is the fact that your dad 
Gary obviously was a, was a player as well. What's what's it like having a dad as a footballer? Is he your your biggest critic or your biggest fan, or a mix of the two? Yeah, um, it depends, I suppose, what what they're like as a person. Um, my dad was quite quiet. would would He would offer any sort of advice when when I needed, or if he felt that I could I could maybe learn from what he had to say. He wasn't overly uh, enforcing, or he wasn't critical and like that much or over the top but he was definitely there for if I needed any advice and uh, he also knew that I had a good a good manager going to Dundee United he had he knew I had was surrounded by good coaches and stuff so um as I say whenever or or after a game he would be disappointed if I played bad but uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't always necessarily let me know the season finishes at Arbroath. How desperate are you to get into Dundee United and have a really strong pre-season to ensure that you're ready to make an impact? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to go there and as soon as the season ended, I just wanted to start and get get the pre-season underway. It was an exciting time. Um, obviously, going away abroad for pre-season um, for the first time was also exciting. Uh, I think we went away to Holland that year, played a couple of teams from the the Holland Premier League. Um, so that was also exciting, um, playing against a few few good players there. And yeah, I just wanted to get going, get get right into the pre-season full-time training. It was the first full-time pre-season I'd obviously done. So yeah, it was, uh, it, was it was good to get going as soon as it, as soon as it kicked off. You mentioned Holland there. I've got to ask you the obvious question. Rodney Schneider comes to the club and he wasn't there for very long. What was that situation like? Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, as a as a player, you tend to be, even though people would think you would know everything, you see, you tend to be the last people that find anything out. Um, you look on the internet and you see all these stories and, and whatever else. He, he came over, he, well, he joined us over in Holland. Um, it looked like a really good like he was, he looked like he was a good player, technically, and then came back over to Scotland. And then, for some, for one reason or another, he just wasn't at training one day, and that was the last last we'd seen of him, and never seen him since. So it was a strange one, that's for sure. Absolutely. And in terms of that United squad, who were the big characters in that dressing room when you were in? Because the likes of John Rankin were there, Sean Dillon. Were they the big characters, or were there a few others that were part of that group as well? Yeah, it had had good. When I first went in, obviously there was Stuart Armstrong, Shifty, GMS, and then obviously they left at the January that I signed. But yeah, going forward, John Rankin was obviously a great professional. Um, really, really uh, took a lot from him the way that he went about his business. Um, uh, Sean Dillon also, um, Paul Dixon. So you had you had great professionals in there. Paul Payton, you know they were they were they were winners. They, they had a great attitude, and that's how they had uh, such good careers as they did, and and that's how they were playing until the age they were. So um, they were definitely good to look up to. You make your debut against Aberdeen. How did you feel getting into that game? Was it nerves, excitement, a mix of both? Yeah, it was. It was. It was excited. I, I've never really been nervous in too many games, um, but yeah, it was. It was like a full house in paradise. Uh, I remember coming on as a substitute, and and they ended up winning. I think it was one 0 they won, but it was a fluky goal. I think Kenny McLean scored a looping header like to the back back post. Um, it was a bit a bit lucky, but that kind of ended up summing the season up to be honest um, in, in, in that sense but yeah I remember just great great feeling and I wouldn't say nervous just really excited to work to, towards the start of the game and, and once the game started and then I came on uh, really enjoyed it and the atmosphere was, was amazing In terms of Jackie McNamara obviously he lost his job which was which is not what anyone wants to see. What was he like with yourself from signing you in the, the few months you got to work with him? Yeah, um, he was he was a great great coach. Um, he was he was quite different. He took a different approach than what a lot of managers that I've had. He was he wasn't so like um, like shouting and stuff. It wasn't so like aggressive. He was quite calm, uh, quite encouraging. Uh, would give you pointers, him and Simon Donnelly, uh, Darren Jackson. Uh, 
they just really made the training enjoyable and it was done at a good good tempo and stuff. I really enjoyed uh, working under them. Uh, and obviously, as you say, unfortunately, they, 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 got, they lost their job, which you don't want to see, but I suppose that's football um, these days. Very true. And before we talk about the next manager that arrives, your first goal against Motherwell away, just how good was it to get a goal in your second game under your belt at that level to, to really give you that confidence that you deserve to be there? Yeah, I know. I, I knew at the time that I had to, to kind of hit the ground, run, ground running. Um, when I went in, they said I would, would obviously need to bide my time and, and just keep working hard and training to get up to that level. Because um, they told me I wasn't... Uh, like a starting striker, I was I was one that would maybe come off the bench and make an impact at that time, which I was which I was still happy to to do. But I obviously wanted to strive to get that starting spot. Um, but yeah, getting that goal when I came on again as a substitute and, and we got the I think that was the first win of the season. Um, it was really good to come on and and get that goal. So yeah, it was a it was a good memory. I remember um, jumping over the the back. I think after the goal and. And making a wee tumble in the stones there, but all worth it in the end. <laughs> in terms of the the games against the likes of Celtic, Aberdeen, because they were the two main forces that season, what were those games like for you and the atmospheres and playing against the best players in the division? Yeah, it was great. Um, uh, like, that's, that's, the, that's the games that you want to be involved in. Um, Obviously, against the Celtic, and they had like I think Tierney was was a bit younger, but he was starting to come through. I think Van Dijk was there at the time. Uh, obviously, there was Effie Ambrose who who went on to be my teammate. Um, it was really good. They're the games that you love to be involved in as a professional. You want to play against the best. Um, as your Celtic and Rangers obviously bring bring huge crowds through and. Especially when you play them away from home, they're the best games, and yeah, that's the the games that I'm hoping to to get back to soon. Absolutely, and in the first season, I know it's it's hard to ask this question: What are the Dundee derbies like? Because we all know how the season finishes with Dundee winning the game that really sees the club go down. But in terms of those derby matches, from your perspective, when you're at United, what were they like? Yeah, from from the United, I think we drew. A couple of them, they they scored. Um, they scored late on to make it two all. I remember Scott Bain having a a world class save against me. I was going right in the top corner, and somehow he managed to tip it over the the bar. Uh, he's never let me forget that one since. When he when he came to Hibs, he was always going on about it. But yeah, obviously, when you play in any derby, you want to get the win. You want your fans to get the the bragging rights going on for the next time until they play. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think we never won. We drew the first one and obviously we lost the, the, the derby game that ended up sending us down, which, so looking back from a United point of view, the, the derbies there were, were disappointing. Disappointing derby matches in, in, in that sense, but in terms of the club after Jackie, when Mixu Patalainen comes in, Ultimately, in the end, why do you think you, the club just didn't have enough to stay up? Um, it's a good question, that. Um, could be a mix of things. Uh, obviously, Mixu came in and signed some older, experienced players. I obviously felt at the time. And other players, the younger guys, that they felt that they were hungry and, and weren't given the opportunity to, to go and play. But... Um, he brought in a few older heads that that just didn't work out in the end. Um, they brought a couple of foreign foreign players that didn't know the league. They were past their best at, at that time, and they ended up being in and out with injuries and never really got going. So, along with that, and maybe a few other things, um, then it's, it's just just didn't work out in the end. The club goes down. Ray McKinnon ends up getting the job. What was he like to work with? Because it looked it looked for parts of that season that you would have went back up to the Premiership, and obviously you got to the playoffs as well. Yeah, it was it was quite a good season actually. We we obviously had ups and downs, um, just like any team. But for the majority of the season, we 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 managed to get some good results. Um, we were leading. We were top of the league uh, up until 
I think it was just after Christmas. We we beat Hibs 1-0 at home. Um, so things were really looking up. And the back end of that season, we actually fell away a bit for, for whatever reason. Um, we won the one of the Cups as well. And then we went on to the playoffs, which by the end of the, the last game, we just ran out of legs. It was three games... Um, well, three double double headers against teams from the quarters, the semis, and obviously against Hamilton in the final. In that last game, the guys were just on their feet, dead on their feet, and we didn't have any more to give. And unfortunately, um, we just couldn't do it. Um, in the the first leg of the Hamilton game, we I got sent off, and it was a stonewall penalty. I got done for diving, but you never know if we'd maybe got that penalty. We could have went to Hamilton with a bit of a different game plan and. And maybe got the win. Absolutely, and you mentioned the cup there, winning the Challenge Cup. Just, just what was that like as a as a feeling winning your a real prof- a, a first trophy at professional level? Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, the club being being there at the relegation, and the fans hadn't really had much to to shout about and celebrate. Um, obviously, with getting relegated and then trying to fight to get back up to the Premier League. So it was a good it was a good day out, um, especially for some of the younger the younger fans that hadn't maybe been to a cup uh, with Dundee United. So it was definitely good to go and win that, and obviously getting the first professional cup was also good. In the terms of that season, you were flying. You scored eighteen goals in the league. You had also had Tony Andrew alongside you, who was who was scoring goals for fun as well. Just how good was he to play with for you as a striker? Yeah, he was he was really good. Um, sometimes as a striker, it's hard because you don't the pressure is all on you sometimes to get the goals, especially if our players players aren't maybe getting the goals and stuff. So, yeah, we had goals coming from all over uh, that season. Um, Blair Spittle was scoring, um, Scott Fraser, and then obviously Tony Andrew was 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 really flying the goals in. So it was good because the pressure wasn't mounting on you so much to be the only kind of one that gets the goals. So it was good for from the goals for coming from all over. I also want to ask you about Willow Flood. Is he as moany as he looks? Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, you, you can count on uh, you can count on Willow for giving you. Uh, a ballican, but that's that's how he's been had such a good career. He just uh, demands high high standards from people, and you can see that's why why he was the player he was. Um, so he was a good leader, also in the dressing room, and uh, yeah, he was another great person to to learn from. In terms of Ray McKinnon, he he was doing a good job at Dundee United um, in that season. You were with him, unlucky to to miss out in promotion. Ultimately, in the end, are you surprised to see him where he is now in League Two with Queen's Park? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, especially from knowing him and what sort of coach he is, and I thought he would be at a higher level. Um, but I know that he's got a good um, sort of project there, and I think they're going to look to come through the leagues. So hopefully, he gets them up through the leagues and tries to get them as as high as he can. Absolutely. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they get on obviously the transition from amateur now into full time slash part time kind of hybrid model I think as they're going for but for you yeah. Hibs interest what was that like in terms of your family because your dad also played for the club yeah um, that was a really proud moment obviously when I got the call um, just because the, the club had obviously meant a lot to me and well my dad first and then Obviously, us growing up, we'd always, uh, always looked at Hibs as one of the one of the teams that that we loved. Um, so yeah, as soon as I got the call, it was kind of a no-brainer for me um, to go there and and try and kick on under Neil Lennon. Was obviously a mass, he's obviously a massive manager in Scotland, if not the biggest biggest name. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a great opportunity to go and to get hit while Hibs were obviously just back promoted and there was a lot of positivity around the club. Uh, Season tickets were the highest they've ever been so um, it was a great moment and I went on to really enjoy my time there. What was it like working, pardon me, what was it like working under Neil Lennon? Um, You see what he's doing at Celtic now, just completed nine in a row. Um, Got an incredible stature within football, obviously having played in England as well. 
What was he like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it was just um, I honestly can say I, I loved his I loved his training. Um, I think he he's been the one that's got the most out of me, um, and the way that he comes across, he's very demanding. Um, and obviously, you know, if we if we win, he's the happiest man in the world. But if we lose, then he could be the angriest man in the world. But that's that's the way he is, uh, and he's he was great for me, uh, and obviously Hibs. We had a great season that year. Ended up finishing in the European spots. So um, he done a, he done a great job. You played alongside in terms of that midfield that was flying. You John McGinn, Dylan McGeoch. I mean, just what was it like playing with them? Scott Allen, obviously, I know he ended up coming to the club that saw you end up departing for for Dundee. So you missed out on him. But in terms of McGinn and McGeoch, what were they like? Yeah, they were they were a, they were a joy to play with. Um, they just controlled every game. Um, Marvin Bartley was kind of the enforcer in, in the midfield, and they just let uh, Dil- he just kind of let Dylan and uh, Dylan and John go on and do their thing. Um, John was obviously pitching in with a lot of goals, and there was just that that three was was just a great midfield. Wherever they where they ever had Marv, kind of made them just stay away from the dirty side of the game and just let them do the, the nice passing and, and controlling the game. So, yeah, they were a, a joy to play with. And, and obviously, Johns went on to become a, a really good midfielder in the Premier League. So, re- really excited to see what he's going to do also next season when the, when the football starts again. Absolutely. <clears throat> and in terms of Hibs at that time, just what was it like playing with the, the club when they were flying under Neil Lennon, because as you say, happiest man in the world when when they win, and he had you winning more weeks often than not. Yeah, that's it. Um, just as trade, like he got, he got with he got with really playing some good stuff, um, scoring a lot of goals. We went away to Ibrox, we won. We went away to Celtic Park, and I think we were unbeaten against Celtic that season. Um, so yeah, he really got us playing some good stuff, and it was a credit to him and and obviously the boys that were there. In terms of yourself, Simon, I'm interested to get your perspective in this because you were doing very well at Hibs, you were scoring goals, but you were involved in that crazy transfer deadline where it was it was like <laughs> it was like dominoes really. So basically you go to Dundee, <clears throat> Scott Allen goes from Dundee to Hibs, and then Scott Bain goes from Hibs on loan back to Dundee, then to Celtic. What was it like being involved in that crazy day? Yeah, it was kind of fun flung on me at the last minute um, we'd obviously signed Camberry and, and Jamie McLaren uh, in that window I think it was in the January window and then they were, we were really at the time we were playing well but not really creating at that point so I think uh, the gaffer was looking to try and find somebody in the hole that was maybe a bit more creative going forward um, instead of maybe playing the, the one deeper and and John and Dylan ahead. He wanted to play maybe John and Dylan with somebody ahead of them. So he was looking obviously for a number ten, and and Scott Allen obviously fitted fitted that bill. And with bringing two strikers in on loan, I was obviously the easiest one to then to then ship out at that time. And then yeah, Neil McCann had always liked me as a player and wanted to get me in. So it just it just kind of fitted it fitted in. And, it was a bit of a mess at the time, but it happened. You mentioned it. You mentioned the fact it happened. Before we be talking about Dundee, I want to touch on two games for Hibs in particular. The game against Rangers at Ibrooks, where you win 3-2, and also the Edinburgh Derby, where you score the absolute screamer as well, three minutes into the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll start with the Rangers one. That was, that was the first time I think Hibs had played Rangers since the Cup final where Hibs had won the Scottish. So obviously there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of rivalry starting to build up between the two fans and the the incident on the pitch after the game. Um so yeah there was a lot it was a tense atmosphere going into there. Um and yeah it was you couldn't hear a you couldn't hear a pin drop when when we scored. It went silent. Uh, and it was a great great result for us obviously being the second game of the season. Uh, gave us a real boost to then think we could really compete for 
as high as as high as we can go. And uh, yeah, on on the on the on the hearts hearts hip one, that's the that's the game that you want to be scoring in because that's the ones that the fans remember. The the derby is is something else. Great atmosphere, and uh, I've got really good memories of it. Um, one one that I'll remember for for a very long time. Obviously, getting a little nutmeg and then and then hitting the back of the net was was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and you, you mentioned Dundee there and the sort of crazy scenario that saw you end up going to Dundee. I'm not trying to get you to, to say anything controversial because, again, I, I know you've got potential interest this summer from, from various clubs, but it was, was it frustrating in the sense that you were doing well at Hibs, you were scoring goals? You actually finished their top goal scorer in all competitions even though you left the club halfway through the season. So that yeah. kind of sums up the situation in terms of, obviously, Dundee, exciting. You're a boyhood Dundee fan, but... At the same time, were you just frustrated that you were doing well at Hibs and ended up having to leave through no fault of your own, really? Yeah, um, I did feel frustrated um, at the time. I had obviously had a good start to the season, uh, really, like really good scoring goals, playing well, and then just like any striker, I hit a bit of a lull, like the, like a, a patch that I wasn't scoring. Uh, but I was working hard away and uh, training to try and to try and come through that, um, and it happens to everyone. So at the time I was disappointed because I knew that I had more to give at Hibs. Um, but football can be like that, and I suppose you've just got to kind of deal with what what comes your way. Um, but on the flip side of that, obviously being a Dundee fan, it wasn't like I was disappointed to be going to Dundee because I wasn't. I was disappointed at the fact that I, I had more to give at Hibs. But at the other side, I was then, right, if I'm going to Dundee, it's it's great because I've grew up a Dundee fan, but now I'll be able to play here and, and try and prove that I was good enough to play, play for Hibs. You mentioned Neil McCann earlier, um, a character who, very passionate, we've seen him as a pundit, we've seen him at Dundee. Um, what was he like from your perspective? Because he gets quite a bit of stick at times from certain people in terms of management. But obviously, I, I can only speak from the outside looking in, whereas you've actually worked with him. So what was he like as a manager and what was he like for you? Yeah, I I really liked, I really liked him again. Um, I liked the way that he, he wanted to play. He liked, like, he had Dundee playing some great stuff. Um and to be honest, it took a wee while to get going when I when I joined in there because I hadn't been playing at Hibs. And then it took me a, a couple of months to get the fit, the match fitness back and whatever. But towards the end of the season, we were playing some really good stuff. I liked the way that he set up the team. Um, I liked him as a person. Uh, so, yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. I really got on with him well. Uh, was playing, like, after training, we'd play head tennis and, I've never seen a man want to win so much at the head tennis. Me and Kami Kerr used to play against him and, and uh, the assistant Garland. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. And really got good memories there as well. So, yeah, uh, really, really liked playing under him also. Glenn Kamara was a teammate of yours there. Could you tell he was destined to go to the top? Yeah, he had he had a bit, bit more... Well, he had a really good... Uh, good time at Dundee which gave him the obviously the base to go on and, and kick on and as we've seen he's went on to Rangers to do some really good stuff um, playing quite a lot there so he always had that something a bit special he was able to control games when he wanted to um, I think he just needed to take that step up to go and, to go and challenge himself even more so yeah it's, it's good to see that he went on and, and is, is doing so well at Rangers. One player that really intrigues me is um, Stephen Colker because obviously he'd been at Liverpool on loan, played up front under Klopp, um, had been at Swansea, been at Tottenham. Was seen as a really yeah. big potential star in England many a uh, few years ago. What was it like when he was at Dundee? Because I imagine, in a sense, that no disrespect to Dundee, but if Stephen Colker had remained fully fit and without the sort of problems he had off the park, he'd have been still playing in the Premier League now. Yeah, definitely. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, I just think at the time that he had a few problems off field that he needed to get away from maybe the, the same place that he was, and that's the reason he had some family in Scotland. Um, 
he met up with Neil McCann and, and decided to join to don, join Dundee. And at the time, it was a shock. Um, I remember him coming in and thinking Stephen Cocker there, the like ex Liverpool player, thinking that's you know I thought it was uh, a lot of rubbish at the time when the rumours were flying around. Um, but yeah, he was a great guy. And when he was up here, I think he, he really enjoyed his football because I think it was away from a lot of maybe the the limelight of down south. He came up here and he really stuck in and, and, and worked hard up here. And, and I think he really enjoyed the, the normality of the dressing room up here and instead of maybe being surrounded with with all the all the stars and the whatever down there. Of course, and in terms of the loan at Dundee, the spell at Dundee, as a Dundee fan, what was it like playing for your boyhood club? Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of family and and friends that are being a Dundee lad, they're they're Dundee fans, and so it was it was a proud proud moment, and it was good to get a few goals there when it, while I was there. Um, but yeah, really really good moment. Obviously, I, I still look out for the results week in week out when I was in South Africa, so. Um, it was unfortunate that the season got cut short because I, I think they were coming on to a real game there towards the end, and uh, the manager was was doing a good job coming into the coming into it there. So uh, we'll see what they do next year. They certainly, we'll see what they do next year. And see, to be honest with you, see when you were leaving Hibs, was there ever an opportunity to go to Dundee permanently, or was because the Bidvest, bid sorry, were willing to pay a substantial amount. Was was that the real deciding factor for Hibs in the end? Yeah, I think the money, obviously, with the team in South Africa, Africa coming in with the with the with the money that they came in for the transfer fee. Uh, I don't think there was really any team in Scotland that had that sort of money out with obviously the big two. But um, I think a lot of the clubs go on free transfers and, and whatever else. So. Yeah, it was kind of, the option was pretty much South Africa um, at the time. And it kind of put, obviously, a few Scottish clubs off at that, at that time. That's something that is, is interesting, how you've mentioned there in Scottish football. I mean, you look at, for instance, the example I can think of right now is Stephen O'Donnell. He's someone who would probably have interested the likes of Aberdeen and a few other clubs, maybe even a Hibs. But obviously the problem they would have is they couldn't afford to get him out of Kilmarnock in terms of a fee, whereas now he's ran his contract down and he's going to leave in a free transfer. So it'll be interesting to see his next move. And as you've said, you, you experienced that firsthand, hence why you ended up going to South Africa. Before we finish, we're around the quick-fire questions. I know we discussed this at the start, but just to touch on again, you're, you're back from South Africa, you're, you're fit, you're ready to get back into the game. Is it the UK you're looking to stay in, or would another foreign adventure still interest you? Yeah, I think family-wise and being a bit closer, uh, the UK is obviously the number one uh, number one option. Uh, my agents been speaking to a few clubs, so we'll just have to see what what is good and what as me as a family with my missus and and what comes the best what, the best option, I suppose. Uh, if something was to come up abroad, um, it would maybe have to be a bit more civilised country this time, where a, a bit safer and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, let's let's not uh, say no to any place and we'll see what comes up. Definitely see what comes up and I wish you and the family all the best. Um, the last sort of questions I've got for you are quickfire questions. First few aren't to do with football at all. Beach holiday or city break? Uh, city break. Beer or wine? Wine. Tea or coffee? Tea. Favourite sport outside of football? Golf. Favourite band? Uh, uh, the Cortinas. Oh, good choice. Favourite film? Braveheart. Favourite place you've travelled uh, with football? Uh, with football South Africa Favourite place you've travelled without football? Uh, Las Vegas Oh what a shout um, Best players you've played with? Um, John McGinn I'll go there 
Best... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, we'll go John. John McGinn's good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, best you've played against directly? Um, say Celtic. Uh, Van Dyke. Oh, fucking. Coming out with all the, the, the belt and answers here. <laughs> um, yeah. Most underrated player you've played with so far? Um, underrated. Mm. Lewis Stevenson. Absolutely. He's a he's a player who very goes under the radar quite a lot, but you don't play for Hibs for as many years as he had if you're not a top player. No, exactly. Uh, and you can see the managers that come in, they don't need to change that position. They, they know that he's going to do this, the solid job week in, week out. Uh, don't know how many, how many games he's played, but I don't think he's missed a few uh, with injury. I don't know. Uh, but he's some he's some uh, asset to the club. Yeah. Biggest character you've played with in football? Mm. Anthony Stokes. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've seen happen in a dressing room? Do you, you don't need to name names in your time in football. Um, in the dressing room at Hibs, there was there was we got a good laugh with the the kit man there, Tam. Yeah, there was always something going on. I remember he, I had a hat-trick ball in my locker and he, he replaced it with half a ball. He'd made up the signatures and cut it in half <laughs> to, to pretend that he'd cut my hat-trick ball, but he gave me the real one back in the end. So uh, a lot of good laughs in the, any dressing room we've been in. So, But he's, he's certainly a cracker, that's for sure. Brilliant. Um, best manager of your career so far and why? Uh, it was senior Lennon. Just he's, he works in a way that he's able to get the best out of you. Didn't complicate things too much, and and just got you up to the peak sort of fitness, and and yeah, let let, let you just go and enjoy it and play. Last question I've got for you is based on two famous managers of the past, and yeah, I want you to choose one you would play under and why. And the answer, the question is Brian Clough or Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, Fergie. Um, my English team is Man United, so he's always been a hero. Uh, plus, he's Scottish as well, so stick by him. Brilliant. Simon, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Thanks, mate. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean I'm made